everyone. Welcome to episode 31 of Sparkle and Destroy podcast, special edition van life. I am sitting outside a, a rest stop in Nebraska and I have to pee really bad. So this is going to be a really quick intro. The reason you're hearing some different music behind me is because uh, the new single off of our new album, Vintage Millennial, uh, Put a Little Action In Ya, is out now on Spotify as well as streaming everywhere you might find music. So please enjoy Put a Little Action In Ya, the first song off our new album coming out in January. And after that, uh, prepare for some mega van rambles. Okay, short and sweet. I will see you guys later. Bye! So tired of missing your love. It's time I put a little action in you And I was young and I'm feeling so tough Guess who's back talking to herself while walking a dog. Right now I am walking our Colorado drummer Chuck Coffee's beautiful, poofy, white, fluffy, purebred, don't even know what breed. Basically imagine a storybook white wolf that is magical. Um, his dog ja- Rafa. I want to say Jaffa, but it's Rafa. And uh, we're walking around chuck's suburban aurora colorado neighborhood which is a lot like our san luis obispo suburban neighborhood except these houses were built in the early to mid 70s in fact chuck's house has some pretty rad wallpaper upstairs that has tin like metallic uh silver tin um 
in it, and it is uh, picturing a spaceman floating in space. And I think it was a kid's room in the 70s. And Reed was so taken by it that he basically took a photo of it, copied it, and now he's uh, hoping that <laughs> Raph is kicking up leaves and dirt. Oh my goodness. Um, Reed is working with Chuck to uh, screen print a new t-shirt for us with this awesome little kid 1970s bedroom wallpaper, space wallpaper that kind of looks like the Moon Man, like the MTV Moon Man. So that's pretty cool because Chuck has a basement where he does his little record label, not little, DIY record label, little, but not in a bad way, uh, self, uh, self-sized, small, independent record label, snappy little numbers. And he has screen printing stuff and he has a fully soundproofed practice space in the basement, which was where we practiced for the very first time. <laughs> um, and uh, lots of guitars and amps and drum kit and all of his records down there and all he, all his, the stuff he does to make his little DIY world go round, which is a lot like our little DIY world. So uh, it's great to find a creative companion in Chuck. He's been wonderful. We've been staying at his house. Um, him and his wife have been super hospitable and it's been a great situation. Um, I want to get Reed on here to talk more about the shows that we've done so far. The first night was in Carbondale, Colorado in Reed's hometown. And, uh, that was kind of cool. Um, Reed's old high school friend, Hattie and his, uh, her husband showed up Fox and uh, I think I've told you guys in the past, but Reed grew up in a really small town, Carbondale, Colorado, obviously, and was one of like six punk rockers in town. And some of those punk rock kids died, um, OD'd, suicide. Some of them just kind of got grizzled and just had kids and got bitter and had divorces. Some of them thrived. And I feel like Fox and Hattie totally thrived. And uh, I really enjoy seeing them whenever we're in town. Hattie is basically a literal witch. She, like, takes crystals and stones and puts them out under the moon on the full moon and stuff and has, like, you know, altars around her living room and stuff. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so Hattie showed up and she said she had a gift for me and she pulled out a black stone from her bosom, from her bra, and put it in my bra, which didn't feel weird at all because I feel like Hattie and I, even though we're a different generation, she's Gen X, I'm a vintage millennial, but we have this great chemistry. Uh, and I was wearing my Crushers cheerleading outfit, giving that the deb debut. Uh, she put that in my bra and said, this is exactly the way that this stone was given to me. It is for protection against judgment and negative vibes which you will need on tour, <laughs> which is so true. And uh, I wore that for the show and it was great because sure, it was just a small show in a small town and kind of a practice run for us to go through the set with Chuck for the first time and get acquainted with him. But it was also kind of a rough night because we were just real rusty. We hadn't played in about a month and, you know, it's it's a bunch of people getting together with a common goal, all with their hearts in it. Chuck did a great job, especially considering how mixed up the set list got. <laughs> the set list I sent him was not the one that he 
thought we were doing. And um, he totally, like, I feel like we just pushed him in the deep end of the pool and he just swam out with flying colors. But I had some issues with my amp and, uh, you know, just one of those, uh, those uh, coming together experiences. Anyways, I'm just walking down the neighborhood. Uh, Rafa is kind of freaking out because there was a dog barking behind a fence. So I'm going to apprehend this massive white wolfy dog and get him back to where he needs to go. Tonight we are playing in Denver at Nude City Relief Center, which is an all-ages kind of quirky venue that apparently is under, I want to say, the Freemasons Lodge. And uh, it's very mysterious. Uh, We have to send people the address in secret, so I'll keep you posted on that. We also played Streets Denver in downtown Denver um, on Friday night, and that was an adventure for sure. Okay, so um, I recently read Motley Crue's autobiography, which was penned, I guess, by the whole band. So like Vince Neil had a couple chapters, Tommy Lee had a couple chapters, and uh, Nikki Six and uh, Mick Mars all had their own chapters, and uh, even some of their abused managers and such had chapters in the book. And it's a notorious book. I mean, the most crazy part, and the part that got me to read it was when our California drummer, Benjamin Cabriana, said, Oh, you're reading that book? Just wait till you get to the part where Vince Neil and Tommy Lee stick their dicks in breakfast burritos so that their girlfriends won't know they were cheating on them. (laughs) And that totally happens. Um, It was not actually uh, used in the Netflix special about the book, which I'm like blanking on the name of the book right now. You guys know what it is. It's the Motley Crue like tell-all book. But one thing I really liked about the book and I thought was interesting was how I think it was during Tommy Lee's chapter where he talks about what touring is like schedule wise and it's one of those things where you think oh that's boring I don't want to know when you wake up and when you go to bed what this stuff you know the routine of it but I found it fascinating and I actually understand it intimately so maybe you guys will find it interesting for instance let's see here it's about like almost six o'clock I am just coming to life It's really strange when you're coming to life at six o'clock. It's even stranger when you're walking down a weird suburban neighborhood and they're putting up Halloween decorations and ghosts and skeletons and stuff and you're coming alive. Feels really weird. (laughs) Feels wrong. Like I am not part of normal society and I have empathy for people that work at night now since I've been playing in bands the last 10 years. Anyways, Uh, The touring schedule goes something like this. Uh, You wake up around maybe 10. Sometimes you wake up at 6 a.m. like freaked out, like, oh, my God. And then you go back to bed because you went to bed the night before somewhere around 2 to 3 o'clock for me because we have to stay at the bar super late to get paid until after the, after the last band plays, which is usually somewhere around two o'clock, then you gotta load your gear. If you're sharing gear and you're sharing with other bands, maybe you're waiting on that gear. Um, so yeah, so you wake up late and you're groggy and your throat hurts 
and sometimes you have injuries from the night before. Like when I broke my string last night and somehow stabbed my finger in the process. And uh, yeah, so you wake up, you're kind of like not hungry because you probably ate something really weird. Like in our case, uh, Friday night, we went to this like the one 24-hour place uh, that these new friends of ours told us we should go to from the band. One of them, one of them's in the band Bracheros, and he's from Peru. And the other guy's in the band called the, the Egoists. I don't know. I have to get back to you on that. What his name? What their? What the band name is? Anyways, they're like, "Oh, you guys want to get something to eat? You got to get the Mexican hamburger burrito." We're like, "What the hell is that?" So we drove all the way over to North Denver, which was interesting. North Denver, it's becoming gentrified, but it still has a, definitely the feel of like a long, you know, downtown LA 10 years ago, pretty gritty. And uh, we walk into this place and it's like hopping. This is definitely where people go after the club. And so we're in line. There's definitely some hostile people in line that are like, get out of my way. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, we order the hamburger Mexican burrito thing and chili cheese fries because those are the things that our new friends, uh, Ruben and Marco, have said to get. And then it turns out uh, Ruben, his house is just a block away. So we can't eat in the dining room because the dining room's closed because it's like three o'clock in the morning. So we go to Ruben's house, which is a really cool house. Turns out he has, he's a drummer in the band Bracheros. And he also has a plumbing business. So he's got all these cool plumbing t-shirts and hats and stuff. And he gives us a bunch of merch from his band and a bunch of plumbing stuff because Reed just loved the plumbing. It was called, uh... man, I want to say it's called, uh... Uh, not Layright Plumbing. Smooth move plumbing? Man, I'm bad with details. To get back to you on that too, when I have my co-pilot. Um, so yeah, so he's super cool. And then he starts showing us some weird stuff. Oh, first of all, the burrito. It's literally a hamburger patty inside of a burrito with refried beans. And this, it's insanely, insanely volcanic, hot jalapeno cheese sauce. I opted for no cheese sauce on my burrito and I'm actually really stoked on that because mine was actually quite mild. I love spicy, but I'm trying to avoid dairy these days. And Reed and the boys were just like pretty much crying. They were, they were crying, they were sweating, which is really funny because the Peruvian is sweating. <laughs> and so, uh, but he showed us some really interesting stuff. He was like, it wasn't like he was bragging, but he was just like, so we play South America a lot. Let me show you this video of us playing this festival in South America. And he shows us the video. And I'm not even kidding you. It was like 350,000 people, like kind of like the arenas that you would think about the Ramones playing to in South America when they got big finally in South America in the 80s. And uh, I mean, the people just look like ants, ants with dark hair. And there's uh, Ruben playing drums on this giant stage. I'm just like, whoa, man. Did not expect that. Super weird. Just goes to show, you never know where someone's big. 
You never know where they're touring. As a band, I guess people always say you can get big in Japan, but you can get big anywhere, depending. So, uh, so that was kind of our adventure to the 24-hour diner called Chubby's. If you do find yourself in Denver, North Denver, and you're looking for a very spicy, very strange, weird, like only in America sort of burrito, get that Mexican hamburger burrito and get those chili cheese fries. Just be warned, it is very hot. You may need like eight horchatas to make it down. Oh, but I was talking about scheduling. See, this is why this podcast is stream of consciousness because now I'm coming back to scheduling. Anyways, eating that burrito at three in the morning your stomach kind of feels like abused. You're like, why did you, what, what, at what point did you think this was a good idea? We're not little kids anymore. It's not like we're out partying, getting drunk and hooking up and banging drugs. Like, why are we banging burritos like this? We should know better. So you wake up and you're like, oh God, I'm too old for this. So you don't really eat breakfast really until like two. You might have a snack. And then you start slowly coming out of this weird coma because you've wrecked your whole body the night before, just like basically leaving everything on stage. For me, my hair is like a very good indicator of how hard I went because the amount of sweat, hairspray, and dry shampoo combined, creating a sort of perfect storm of uh, something about Mary proportions will tell me how hard I went. so then you kind of mess around. For me, this trip, this tour, I've been working a lot. So that's been kind of terrible. Uh, another way to abuse yourself is to have to actually string coherent sentences together after you play a show or multiple shows. And so I've been like waking up being like, oh, crap, I have deadlines. I need to get this done. Working on that. Uh, trying to practice gratitude for the fact that I have a job that allows me to do that, <laughs> which also takes some brain energy. Then around like six, you start feeling good. And that's about the time you gotta start getting ready for the goddamn show because you gotta get in there early. You know, tonight's show starts at nine. So you gotta get there around eight to uh, set up your your stuff. And if, you know, we put the shows on normally, so we have to be there to kind of make sure things go right. And in this case, it's sort of a secret venue. So we definitely wanna get there early so we know where the hell we're going. Uh, Yeah, so it's like you have a lot of time all day to feel kind of like a zombie, and then you have no time to get cute, get dressed, get fresh, have a have a white claw, a mango white claw, and then suddenly somewhere around 11:30, you're like, "Hey, I'm ready to go on stage." Well, I'm back at Chuck's house, so we'll continue this discussion later. Thanks for listening to round two of my walk with. Jaffa the dog. Rafa the dog. Goodbye. Hello from Aurora. 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 Aurora, Colorado. It's 11, 11.47 a.m. <laughs> it's 11.47 a.m. on Monday. Monday. We had a show last night, Sunday night. I am with my co-pilot, Dr. Kane. Mm-hmm. He's drinking coffee, and we're headed to Doug's Day Diner to get some pancakes. Uh... Reed, do you want to talk about the show last night? Sure. I have to continue on South Chambers Road here for a second. Okay. Um, well, last night's show was at a DIY space, and 
it was it was pretty cool. We thought it was going to be hipster madness, but uh, and as it turned out, the guys that were running the space were really rad. And there was a metal show around the corner, but I think we, we had an okay turnout. And what? Can you talk about the VHS tapes? That's all I care about. Oh, yeah. So they had a, a huge selection of shitty, probably fished out of a dumpster VHS tapes that they you could choose the tapes that played behind you while you played. And, and which one did I want the most? Well, I picked out at first um, How to Massage Your Dog. Uh, Volume what? One and two. But then after further uh, consideration, I elected to go with uh, Monster Trucks and the Macarena. The tapes switched back and forth while we played. So, so we had Monster Trucks and uh, instructional video on how to do the Macarena running in the background while we played. There was also, on the VHS tape for the Macarena, it said, um, learn how to do the Macarena in five minutes. But the video was 25 minutes long. Right. But it was really cool because someone did an Instagram story of us playing Get It's Revenge with um, the Macarena in the background. Oh, really? I, I got that. to see it and I was like, okay, uh, new change of plans. <laughs> we need to like get the Macarena, we need to like incorporate the Macarena into everything we do because it's just really robotic and weird looking. It's yeah. like line dancing, but but different. I don't know. Uh, I think the biggest contrast on this run is that um, this is our second second time in Denver or third time? It's our second time in playing Denver. Okay, and I feel like this time having our van instead of Ubering to shows, which was f- fucking ridiculous, and also Dave helped out, um, and having our own van has allowed us to have a lot more fun in Denver than last time uh well also i was telling the podcast listeners about chuck's house and how it's yeah. a wonderland of diy and we can just sit there and like work on what we need to work on and yeah in fact if we get a hold of him today we'll be making new oh shit i missed my green uh we've been making new Did I make the right turn no <laughs> i'll explain yeah the t-shirts i mentioned in the last segment oh, uh, about the weird wallpaper and the moon man um we're gonna work on that probably today or tomorrow um, oh, last night, our friends Marco and Ruben showed up mm-hmm. of the band Egoista. Egoista, you guys, Denver, Colorado. And Ruben is also in the band Bricheros from Denver. They came again and hung out with us. It was super fun. And um, most drummers rebel when it comes to Teenage Lobotomy. They're always like, I can play everything on the set list, but I don't want to do Teenage Lobotomy. Not t- yeah, Teenage Lobotomy. Um, or the go-go's this town because they're both really difficult to play well they're weird they're unusual they're not they're not the four by four punk rock marky just is it's a he's just 16 notes on those hi-hats is really tough to to pound those out unless you practice at it a lot and so marco our new friend marco who had dyed his hair bright blonde and looked very blonde last night decided he would play lobotomy for us so he (laughs) played the last song of the set and uh, played lobotomy, but it, it all kind of went sideways yeah. because he couldn't hear what was going on. So it was very punk. It was very, very punk. Little Foyter and Babushka was actually the punkest thing that I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, they were rad. They've been around since, they've been around since 1987, the year I was born, did it. And they've been playing in Denver forever. Um, and they're like an experimental, almost like, I wanted to say they kind of seem like, like, this is not what they sound like, but they kind of are like Mojo Nixon or like um, Dr. Demento in the sense that the main guy is putting on, well, the main guy and gal, little Foyater and Babushka, who wears a Babushka and has, you know, 
like wrinkles up her face and like wears little old lady glasses and stuff. Yeah. Um, they have their own little um, like stage antics that they do more than stage antics, I guess. Performance sure. art. It's performance art. Yeah. And they have songs like "Everything Ends." And Trump loves you, and dance something on my grave. dance on my grave, which is pretty inviting, great. Inviting you to dance on his grave. Hey, everybody, come dance on my grave. That's really cool. It was great. They were punk since like punk was punk. Like, and I saw Devo recently, and they were like weirder than Devo, and I had to tell them that. So, and they're punker, more punk, punk. They had songs that were more punk, and those sounded more like angry, uh, angry Samoans to me a little bit. I didn't. I didn't really understand what guitar chord he was playing. Did you understand his... his he was doing power chords in like a... He was playing like an, an F chord yeah. up and down the neck. Um, he was... That's a jazz chord. Uh, um, I, I play that sometimes. He played all... He played, He used that as his power chord all night. So, I mean, I don't know if he was after like a really weird sound. I mean, it worked. Yeah, I mean, he, I think they were going for like... Not jazzy, that's the wrong word, but like... Discordant. Discordant, experimental, like, yeah. Like Klaus, like Klaus Nomi made, or something. It, whatever that chord was, he couldn't make tough sounding guitar. He could right. only make wacky sounding guitar. Yeah, and there was guitar, or there was a keyboard as well. Babushka played keys. So that was really cool. If you guys ever get a chance to check them out. Wow, this map really likes to talk. It's really yeah. fun. Um, check out them. They're awesome. And then Caustic Soda played last. We felt so bad for their drummer because... He was so high. He was so high, and he was in the kitchen, which is filled with all the like overloaded gear. Oh my god! Can you turn the map off? We're here now. I know. Turn it off. Um, he was so high, and I went up to him and I was like, "Hey, like, thanks for letting us use your drum stuff. We really appreciate it." And he was just like, looked off in the distance and was like, "My my my soft my my big soft bag filled with all of my like um, what should I call it?" drum hardware like all the drum hardware like all the skeletons stuff for the drums i guess was stolen but i was outside when he was taking stuff out of his car and all of his friends were there we were all helping him move stuff out and he must have just been so high he just forgot it outside put it back in the car i don't think it got and then stolen there was i was like around that would steal 50 pounds worth of fucking random metal yeah and then i was like i'm so sorry and like i was trying to help him and he just like looked off in the distance and was like i can't see hear or talk right now and like his eyes were just like all red and wild um I hope his mom's not listening to this yeah podcast. i felt so because i i don't not that i would always smoke a lot of weed i'm not a weed person but i can re recall being at shows where you're like whoops i'm out of it and i need to play a show <laughs> it's not a good time to uh to like take the mushrooms like right before you play so that was uh, that was interesting, um, but that band had a song about police being bacon. Yeah, it was something like uh, I don't know. It was like cops are bacon, pigs are bacon. Or... Pigs are bacon. Yeah. And they had a horn player. Yeah, they did. Can well, all right? Let's get lunch, breakfast. Okay. Well, we're signing off for now. Bye bye. <laughs> It's about 5 o'clock p.m. and I'm in downtown Denver. Reed is at a very seedy, uh, scary comic book store that I guess was his comic book store when he lived in Denver. And it has a bunch of yellowing posters in the window and really tore up carpet inside that's got like dirt on it and holes. It's really sketchy. 
And I just went to Wax Tracks Records to try to sell some of our records, and they are not taking any records from touring bands right now. It's interesting because generally when we go to record stores, people do buy two or three copies. And uh, even though he, the store uses, hang on. Even though the store does use Traffic, which is our distributor and has us in the system, he would want, he would rather order from that than to take one from a touring band. He only buys from local bands, which I think is probably not true. Because a lot of times you go to record stores, it just depends on who the guy or girl is who's working there. Seemed like that guy was into metal. Did not dig what we were putting down. Anyway, we're going to head to another record store, um, Twist and Shot Records, and try to sell there. Wish me luck as I enter this comic book store because it's really creepy. And most comic book stores in general have like a weird vibe. But this one is just like, I don't know. Like Splinter from um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would live here. Okay, that's all for now. Okay, so Reed needs five more minutes inside the store. I just opened the door and poked my head in, and it smelled like a really bad, like, a basement that had, like, sour milk spilled on the gross carpet. So I was just like, all right, cool. I'll just hang out outside and continue talking to myself. Um, so I think we told you guys a little bit about Nude City Relief Center, uh, which was a cool all-ages venue. Uh, one thing I really liked about that space was the two guys that run it and who live there, Charlie and Patrick. I got to talk to Charlie a little bit. He is 28 years old, and he was graduating high school in 2008 or 9, which is the year I was graduating from college. And uh, it's funny because it's like only four years difference, but we were talking about how different our mentalities are. In some ways we're very the same because we both use like the sharing economy to make money and like the digital, you know, connectivity of the today's world to make money. Uh, me with Airbnb and basically being a digital nomad and freelancing for different people while on the road with my laptop. And for him, he does this weird thing. It's like he um, delivers for Amazon but it's like not an official Amazon delivery. It's like a company that manages a company that delivers for Amazon. I don't know how it works, but he basically uses his own car. And speaking of his car, I thought this was an interesting story. He was talking about how um, he is the product of divorced family, divorced parents, as I am as well. And we could relate to each other on that level. And I asked him if he got a car out of the situation or anything out of the situation because you know divorced kids generally you know you get like at least a bicycle or something and he told me that his 70 year old grandma divorced uh his grandfather when she was like 70 and um started dating this other guy who was like a member of her church this other old dude and um when the old dude like had a stroke he had this feeling of like, oh man, like I have all this money, but I don't have any grandkids. So he decided to give his girlfriend's um, son, or sorry, a grand grandson, uh, Charlie, um, <laughs> a new car, like a brand new car. And <laughs> Charlie was talking about how he'll like never get rid of that car because it's just his golden goose. And uh, that's good because living in a small, um, weird art space above a Freemason's lodge and putting on shows that kind of just even themselves out and you don't really make money off of, you probably should have at least a reliable vehicle. So I thought that was interesting. Um, 
Patrick uh, did the sound for the night, and he actually works with autistic children. And I uh, found that very nice. And I asked him about female autism because there are not that many women uh, with autism, adult women, first of all. And second of all, the ones that are out there are often um, not diagnosed because women are taught to pass you know, more readily than uh, males are. So I was asking him a bunch of crazy questions about that because um, I wonder if they walk among us, the female autistic Hello from Fort Collins, Colorado. We are take two. Take two. We are in the van. Reed is making coffee. We're in a McDonald's parking lot. We woke up this morning and it was snowing and it was 26 degrees, which was the low for the night as well. And I wore uh, fingerless gloves, a sweatshirt, flannel pajamas, a down vest, a wool hat, and fleece lined tights and wool socks. And Reed wore uh, jeans socks and a sweatshirt and a t-shirt because he's from the snow and we survived i put my little hands on reed's belly and it kept me warm all night long extra furry furry belly and then in the morning it was really disturbing because reed uh pushed all the snow off the van and i was felt very like what is even happening right now it was two and a half inches it was two and a half inches of snow it's kind of a freak storm actually uh so we played fort collins last night surfside seven Uh, With Doc Hopper, who came back from the 90s, back from the past into the future, back to the 90s, into the now. Um, They were really cool. They're from Boston. And also we played with Rad Owl, or as Reed likes to say. What? Oh, uh, Dag Nasty Jr. Yes, Dag Nasty Jr. All very nice people. They're from Minneapolis. It was weird because it was a three-band bill with three touring bands. So it was like... Which is a number one no-no. It's a a number one no-no, but we kind of knew that, and it was Wednesday night. And then there was a snowstorm, so uh, I was actually very happy that uh, I liked all the people in the bands. They're all really nice and fun to talk to and stuff, so that was cool. Although I did forget my beard and my boots at home. Um, I was wearing my cheerleading outfit per usual, and there was just like a bunch of stoic dudes wearing beards and boots, and it felt like... I don't know. I was kind of glomming on to any woman I could find. It was a bro down throwdown, and I was totally glomming on any woman I could find to hang out with. Uh, Our drummer for Colorado, Chuck Coffey, played his final performance last night. He killed it. He killed it. He did a great job. And his wife also came out, Febra, who uh, I said her name wrong like eight times. Debra with an F. Debra with an F, Febra, and she's wonderful. Anyway... Um, oh yeah, so I woke up this morning, I was looking at the snow, and I was thinking like, oh my gosh, I forgot to tell you guys about this kind of weird situation, because I've, things have been coming full circle as we came to Colorado last summer, about a year ago, like a, couple, a year and a couple months ago, and if you go back to the previous episode, Show Me Your Boobs, that's all about uh, one aspect of my experience in Denver last year, which was not very pleasant. Um, in general, the entire tour was just really a, just bad. It was a bad idea. We It was right when our drummer, Gabriel Oliveria, was getting really sick with MS and like having really, really bad... Well, he was already sick, but he was having worse and worse bouts of it. And so he had to cancel last minute. So we got um, a fill-in drummer, um, Brian B-Ball Monzel, to come in and fly, fly from California to Denver. We also flew and we brought just our guitar, bass, and pedals. We also borrowed 
amps and drums from like every band we played with. And we only did like five dates, but every date just was like kind of doomed. Except for Forrest, for Collins, by the way, which was great because we played with this band called Bomb Threat, which was the most punk band in the world. And the dude was there like- Incidentally, the main guy from, from Bomb Threat was at the show last night doing the door duties. And that made me so happy because Jared. I think his name's Jared, too. I think his name's Jared. Mm. Um, it made me happy because he's like an older gent. And it's cool to see like, I don't mean that derogatory. I mean, like old school punks are very few and far between. And you could tell like he was part of the scene in like the 80s and like gave a shit about DIY. And like he was playing with all these younger bands and like uh, just a very... Is what was like a rare punk rock experience. You don't see that often. Anyways, I was just saying that like last Denver experience was kind of shitty because we had to Uber everywhere. We kind of relied on Reed's friends and family, but like everything fell through. We stayed at little Mikey's house, his friend, little Mikey, and like it was fine, except his dad had just passed away and his mom was there. His kids were there. It was like a lot for him to go through to have us also like trying to sleep on his couch with this drummer and it was like we were very much imposing and it was just very like stressful and then uh like we played a festival it was like 100 degrees out and it was really hard to get there and like we had been sitting at this black metal bar for three hours because we had no place to go because we were in airbnbs and so we finally push our way through the crowd and get to this festival and the minute we get on stage it's like this giant stage like a street festival the minute we get on stage it starts raining Oh yeah, and there were like there was literally like two people there. One of them was the festival organizer, and he walked away. (laughs) And then Reed blew out the guy's bass amp. We got really good photos actually because the the stage was really impressive, so it looked like it was like a really awesome party, like awesome show, but it was not. But again, like no shade on the bands or promoters in this scenario. It's just every once in a while you have a string of dates like that. So. Everything about Colorado last time was like that. And then there was the Show Me Your Boobs incident. And we played this place called Bar Bar. That's like notorious for just being a hellscape of tweakers and like, I don't know, the, the bad. King, the king dive bar. of. Denver. It's the king dive bar. So we shouldn't have been surprised when like the first band, like it was like all metal bands we were booked with. Like the first band just slid from like metal lyrics into like white power lyrics. No, and- it was more like pro-Trump. Like, well, first it was pro-Trump lyrics. Yeah, it was like build the wall shit. Huh? Yeah, Hard. like we're like, did he say build the wall or smash the wall? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you don't know like what's happening. And then like we were talking to what the guy after it, the set, and we we're like, oh yeah, like we we heard the the Trump pro-Trump part. Like, can you like expand on that? And he was just like, well, immigrants are coming in our country, and like just went on a but spiel. There were, there were two Mexican dudes in his band. Yeah, but that's like a tell. That's super common. It's super, it's like ridiculously common to have self, to be self-hating and to be like, yeah, a lot of Nazis are self-hating. Anyways. Um, I don't know any, so I would really. Anyway, where was I? Where the fuck was I? Okay, so. Want some coffee? Yes, I want some coffee, please. So, uh, oh yeah, Bar Bar. So this is like all coming back, I promise, to where we were. <sighs> The honey is leaking and Reed is mad. I'm sorry. I don't... This is an issue. We don't know how to, like, keep honey from leaking all over the van. Um... Your comments, too. Reed, I'm trying to tell a story about Colorado. So, where the hell was I? Oh, yeah. So, 
last year, it was like right after that. So that was in last August. And in September, our new album, Cool Lame, came out on vinyl on Eccentric Pop Records. And I decided we would do a Spotify pre-save of the album. And if you pre-saved the album on Spotify, uh, you had a chance to win a large pizza with any toppings you choose. And you would just sign up and then like send the toppings. And we actually had like 60 people sign up, which I thought was pretty funny. And also you get like a free record and coloring book and all sorts of shit. And so um, I had my mom choose the person at random, like the winner. And so like we did an Instagram live and my mom came on and chose the winner. And it turned out the winner was this like guy who's like notorious for hanging out at Bar Bar. (laughs) And so he actually was best friends with the promoter from that Bar Bar show that was like such a fucking crazy, like it was just so bad. That guy was cool. No, Tony was fine. It wasn't like, again, none of this is saying anything about bands or promoters. It's just, it's not anyone's, I mean, how do you know that someone's going to be a crazy, like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he should have known it was a crazy white power thing. No, Tony and, it, it and he, did, he was like, what the fuck? And also, Tony couldn't have known that, like, the other metal band would be like, show me your boobs for a t-shirt. Like, they wouldn't, he wouldn't have known that. But it was just kind of ironic, don't you think? A little too ironic. You know, I really do think. Mm. Sorry. It was ironic because I sent a large pizza to Bar Bar in September, last September, to the dude. God, what's his name? Uh, pizza dude we'll call him pizza dude and pizza dude was pretty stoked on and he sent like a picture like oh my god thanks so much and like so i sent the pizza to bar bar to like the the guy that hangs out at bar bar a lot and at our show last friday at streets. in streets denver guess who showed up pizza, boy. pizza guy showed up it was super cool because i hadn't thought about him in like a year i kind of dismissed a lot of denver because of the bad experiences we had i was like whatever we don't know anybody there and like he totally showed up he was super nice and it was like his girlfriend was cool his girlfriend was cool and it was just a really good reminder that negative things may happen but like if you focus on the positive things like those things do come back around Mm -hmm. and it made me feel really good that we had that connection and i thought it was just so funny like i was on i actually was on stage thinking like this is so weird like the pizza guy is back But that's so much of playing shows and touring. It's like you have these weird little side stories and like little memories you make with people and you have no idea how you are affecting their life. And he was so happy. He was like, oh my God, I have your coloring book on my fridge. And like, it was so cool. And like, you could tell he was just such a fan. And like, you know, we had really like made him feel special. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of a sweet little memory. But um, buy a man a fish, he eats for a day. Buy a man a pizza. He's a fan for life. Wow, I hope you heard that. So I'm going to close this up because this has to be episode two. It's like so long and I don't want these to be super, super long. So uh, we are in Fort Collins. Uh, We did play Surfside 7. We did survive 26 degree snow. I don't think that's that dramatic to people that live in the Midwest. But to us, it was kind of like a big deal. So... We're on our way to Detroit. It's going to take like a week. So stay tuned for that. Okay, bye.